0: Your Calgary Flames only play here. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Through 60 minutes and beyond the Flames Talk. Postgame show starts now. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge.
1: And following a 5-4 Flames win over Winnipeg to improve to 4-1-1 this preseason as we welcome you to our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stone Lounge and we welcome you to our Flames Talk post-game show. My name is Pat Steinberg. Let's go immediately to the Flames locker room and get some post-game reaction from Flames forward Adam Ruzicka, who scored a goal as part of this victory tonight. Adam, appreciate the time. Just uh, your thoughts on uh, it was a fun second period. Your group pulls out the win. How did you see
2: this one tonight? Yeah, we started off pretty slowly, but then uh, got going in the second, third period, and obviously got the win. Uh, walk us walk us through your goal specifically. A nice finish
1: from you, and and really in tight. How did that one set up for you?
2: Yeah, I just found a nice soft spot there, and uh, I just kind of knew before what I was going to do. Worked out well and scored. You, uh, you, you, uh, you knew what you were going to do before the puck was on your stick. Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> that was good. It
1: was uh, it was a pretty finish, and uh, got your group back within one. How how have you felt through preseason so far, Adam? How's it gone to this point?
2: Well, I've had a really good summer. I feel really good so far, and uh, I got a good thing going on here. You uh, when you say you've got a good thing going on, describe that. What is that? What does that mean for you? Well, uh, positive group, uh, very very good team right now, and. Uh, we just got to build off of every game and uh, be better in the next one.
1: You have
2: seen a lot of time with Nazem as your center and
1: with Dylan on the wing as well. Playing with those two guys, how have you felt that's come along for yeah. you?
2: Yeah, obviously I like their line. Uh, uh, every practice we had together, every game we had together was better and better, and uh, I think it's going to be a very good line going into the season.
1: And, and finally you talked about it being a really good summer for you. What does that mean? How come it was
2: such a good summer? Oh, it was a long one, right? So uh, uh, five months is fun. five months in summer, so I, I put yeah. a lot of work in and uh, I just came ready. Adam, uh congratulations
1: on the goal. Congratulations on the win. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks. That's Adam Rizicka post-game following a 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets. He scored a pretty one as part of that victory. The Flames scored three goals in 2:24 of the second period and then one more uh, early in the third to win this one. Our Flames Talk post-game show is underway and we're coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge here at the Scotiabank. Saddledome, your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair and radon mitigation for all things baseman-y, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, Derek Wills around the table. We've got a uh, lots to talk about on our uh, Flames Talk post-game. Nick, uh, it was it en- ended up being far more uh, entertaining a game than maybe we thought it was going to be. That first period didn't necessarily give us a, uh, a great uh, foreshadowing of what was to come because second, third period, a lot to like from the Flames. I know they're looking to get their level a little bit closer to the regular. Regular season and second and third period you could probably say they did a pretty decent job of doing that
3: yeah I thought it was interesting I mean they obviously they changed up the lines coming into this game they all they changed up the D pairings as well so you wonder if in that first period they were just kind of trying to figure things out a little bit in terms of chemistry and getting used to playing with different players and then it almost looked like a different team though by the time the third period rolled around in terms of You know, the details of their game, the pace that they were playing with, the urgency that they were playing with. So not a great start, but a lot of good things and a lot of things to like.
4: Yeah, in the first period, they looked like chickens with their heads cut off running around on the defensive zone. They just, they did not look like they were on the same page at all, forwards and defensemen. And then I thought they were a lot better in the second period and even more structured in the third period and it just looked like they were playing the game instead of thinking about how they should play the game. And as a result, played the game with a lot more pace. And I thought really put the jets on their heels in the back half of this hockey game. So, uh, yeah, there are still some things to clean up, but I think a big step in the right direction based on what we saw on Friday. So some growth from this team in the last few days. Well,
1: on the pregame show, our marquee matchup for Country Hills-Toyota, we were talking about the, the different combinations, and um, a, a, a number of them seemed to, to pay off. The one that stayed together, we just spoke with Adam, and uh, him, Kadri, and Dubé stayed together. The rest of them were were broken apart, and I thought I thought Backland had a whale of a game and, and was very strong, kind kind of drove that line. Matt Coronado had a re- really strong game. He's your number one star with a goal and two assists. He scored the game winner. Like, that seemed to pay off. Uh, that line was really strong. Uh, Derek, during the game, you were talking about the Huberto line with uh, Lindholm and Munchepani on it, though they they seemed like they uh, found a little something, at least in one preseason game.
4: Yeah, I really liked two of the four lines tonight. I liked the first line with Lindholm between Huberto and I think Manjapani's been the best fit on that line so far. Now, small sample size, one game, um, but I think a good jumping-off point. And then I really liked the line with Backland uh, and Coronado, and we talked about it on the roundtable today, Pat. I, I didn't like them taking Coleman off of that line, but it worked. So those are the two lines that I liked. I thought on the Kadri line, Dubé was definitely the best player on that line. And then the fourth line... I thought they had a tough night. Mm-hmm. Truth be told,
3: yeah, I would. I would agree with you. I didn't mind the Dubay line. I thought that they did some good things. I think that I mean, like the team, they got better as the game went on. Mm-hmm. So I did. I didn't mind them, but that fourth line, yet yeah, they they definitely struggled a little bit and. Uh, you know, I was anxious to see Cole Schwent and to see if he could really take advantage of this opportunity. Obviously, with Rooney uh, being out, this was a chance for him to to really step up. But, um, yeah, not, not entirely impressed with that. One other guy I thought had a really good night uh, was Mackenzie Wieger. Uh, he's, I mean, he's only played a game and a half coming into this one. Yeah. But, you know, I wonder if they put him with Rasmus Anderson to really try to get his game up and going. Uh, and if that was the reasoning behind switching up the D pairs, uh, obviously they had been working fairly well. I mean, you look at the pairings, and I don't think that what we saw tonight is what we're going to see necessarily moving forward. Yeah. But uh, I thought Mackenzie Wieger did a, a really nice job tonight.
1: Thought I mean, Coronado, I think again second time this preseason where he's been the story of the game i thought he was good away from the puck uh forced some turnovers uh kept some possession alive two primary assists and the game winning goal it's the second time megan that's you know there's a rookie who's the the story of the hockey game
3: Yeah, we were really uh, pumping his tires upstairs for sure, and may as well call us the Matthew Coronado fan club right now.
4: Yeah, he was very, very (laughs) strong. Pat, we've talked a lot about him on roundtables, and I've said consistently that I have his name written in pencil but not in pen for the opening night lineup. I literally wrote it in pen during us, the broadcast uh, yeah. tonight. He's earned a spot. Uh, let's say hello to goaltending
1: coach Jason Labarbera, who now joins us in our Flames talk post-game show as the Flames take a five-four victory over Winnipeg here in preseason game number six. Two more to go. You need to.
4: How's that? Oh, there we go. Uh, testing <laughs> one two three. When I,
1: when I see when I see our guests make weird faces, I always like. Oh, that's what the problem is. Uh, Barb's. What you think of this one tonight?
5: Uh, I thought it was a good effort, I think. First period we got it was a little slow at the start, but I think once we got our legs under us the guys uh worked pretty hard. It was it was a little bit of a sloppy preseason game at times for sure for both teams and um you know, I think some guys did some good stuff tonight.
3: And what did you think of Jacob Markstrom's game? Maybe looking at the goals, maybe a couple that he would like back, but just your thoughts on his play.
5: Yeah, like it's it's preseason, that's what these games are for and you know, uh, You know, as a goal, you haven't, you know, for him, he played, I think a week ago, he played two periods and you haven't played for a week. And you try to, you do stuff in practice, but it's never the same as a game. So, um, you know, there's always, there's always things to work on. You you know, he certainly did some good things that, things that we've been talking about and working on. And you're always, uh, you know, trying to get better.
4: I know that the other two goaltenders didn't play tonight, but since we've got the goaltending coach in the room with us, I've got to ask you about Dan Vladar and, and Dustin Wolf and your thoughts on how they've played to this point in training camp in the preseason.
5: Yeah, good. I mean, uh, you know, both guys are you know young and younger, and and uh, they have a lot of uh, I don't know what the proper term without getting in trouble would be, but <laughs> they have a lot of jam to them. You know, uh, um, so you know it's it's good. Like they, they they've they've done they played well in the games that they've been in and. Um yeah, you're I mean, we you know that's the one thing about our group is we are strong in that and um, we've got good goaltending.
1: Jason is with us. So when you've got a vet like, like Jacob and, and you're in the preseason, you've got eight preseason games, as the goalie coach, how do you do you just let him decide like how many do you need and, and then figure it out? Like how do you how do you make sure that he's getting ready for for the coming season?
5: It's usually two games plus a half or two periods. It's kind of the the norm throughout the league with your starter um, is, is, is getting them those games. We play eight. Some teams play six. Um, you know, you're always trying to manage it for everybody. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the way you look at it is two full games plus, uh, like I said, two periods or, or half game. And, um, you know, that's usually enough for a guy to, to get his preseason games yep. in and uh, be sharp and feel good about the season
3: one question that i have is um i know that oftentimes the goaltender coach is also responsible for pre-scouting the other team's goalie so is that something that you guys have already started doing and will continue to do moving on in the season i know that's such a big part of you know the forwards of the d and making sure that they're scoring and and putting up points uh is that something that you guys will continue to do moving forward yeah
5: for sure that's that's a huge part of the job. Um, is knowing the other goalies cutting video, you know, building uh, pre-scouts um, on on a sheet, you know, with analytical stuff and with video. So uh, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that for sure from, from my from my side of it, um, you know. And and you know, like this is my fourth year, so you've got a good library on guys, which uh, which helps and uh, cuts a workload a little bit, you know. We can go back on. Uh, stuff from the season before or whatever and uh, that that certainly helps, but that's a big part of it for sure.
4: They say that iron sharpens iron (laughs) and sometimes you don't know how a guy's game is going to translate from junior and and maybe even more so college to pro hockey, specifically the NHL, but Matt Coronado has been terrific so far in the preseason. Just from a coaching perspective and from the perspective of a goaltending coach and an an old goaltender, what what do you see from him and, and what makes him a special player and prospect for the Flames.
5: Well, we saw it tonight, I mean, he can shoot. <laughs> you know, and he can score and 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 not only that is he he works, right? He's he's a coachable kid and he's pretty determined. So, um, you know, I thought he was, you know, maybe our best forward tonight and he uh he did a lot of little things. He was around the puck. He he was he was a competitive guy all night and and he was rewarded with with that goal and um, you know, that's an elite shot like um, I'm sure Hellebuck didn't realize that the, the kid <laughs> could shoot like that. I think he knows now. Yeah, I, one, one? Yeah. I have one yeah. question
3: about his shot. And so I've been watching him and trying to figure out what it is exactly. And obviously it's it's his release and it's his accuracy. But it also seems like he, right before he releases it, he pulls the puck. Like, you know half a foot almost and that changes the angle just enough that as a goaltender like like that's not a small distance but as a goalie that's that's a big difference for sure is that is that something am i am i seeing things or is that
5: (laughs) (laughs) no i think all the elite goal scorers are, are really good at being deceptive with their shots so that's changing the angle like pulling it in pushing it out uh making the goalie have to move even if the puck moves you know, it's one thing as a goalie and goalie coach you talk about often is when guys do uh, change the angle like that. You can't, as a goalie, you can't get your feet wide. A lot of guys will just they'll get their feet wide. They won't make that last second adjustment with their feet to keep their feet under them. And a lot of guys get beat because they get they get wide. So a guy like Matty's got, uh, like you said, he's got a good release. He's deceptive with it, and that thing's coming on you quick. Uh, and it it surprises you, I think, a little bit because it just the way he shoots. There's some guys that. Um, some guys shoot hard, but you read them like a book, and mm-hmm. some guys shoot hard and you don't know where it's going. And um, he he seems so far from what I've seen. That's what he seems like.
1: How many uh, how many preseason games did you usually get
5: into? Zero. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Come
5: on, no, no. no. Two thousand
4: four AHL Most Valuable
1: Player. Yeah. Come yeah. on, you,
5: you would
4: have gotten like you would have gotten.
1: Yeah,
5: two, it was like, like two, two, or two or three. three. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of the number. It all dependent on. Like here we play eight, you know. I said some teams play six. I think in Phoenix we probably played fifteen because we needed the money. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> um, so no, no let's I, not do that here in Calgary, okay? No. no. <laughs> eight tonight. Uh, Thanks, Barb's. Thanks, guys.
1: Uh, Jason LaBarbera, Flames goaltending coach joining us here on our Flames Talk postgame show following a 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Six of eight in the books for the 2023 preseason. All the home preseason games now done. Next home games, October 11th against Winnipeg again, but this time it actually counts as uh, that's the home opener for the Calgary Flames in regular season game number one. Let's go right to the hardest working Flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Uh-oh. I saw the hands do out. Do you have a... Well... Okay. Okay. That's, that's fair. I see where we're going. Uh, Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at plumbing.com Which way are we going?
3: We're going with Matthew Coronado. I mean it's just every every detail of his game and the more that i watch him away from the puck the more i appreciate just his work ethic the details of his game it's almost like you know you see guys make mistakes with the puck and and they're obvious but when you watch a guy without the puck, and you you can look and you can see them make mistakes. But he's a guy watching him tonight. I watch him without the puck, and he doesn't even make a like a positional error. Um, so I think, you know, for me, obviously the points, they speak for himself, the Mm -hmm. goal that he scored speaks for itself, but it's his, his, his overall work ethic, which, and I said it to Wilsey upstairs, I think it's contagious amongst Mm -hmm. the team when you see your teammate working that hard all the time. You want to make sure that you step up to that level and you bring that same intensity and that same work ethic. So
1: Matt Coronado, hardest working flame, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. So a couple of things on Matt. So he has played the maximum. I don't think anybody has played as much as he has because he played all three games at the Young Stars and he's got the maximum five of six that a human can play this preseason. Season because he can't clone himself, so he was only able to play the one night, or the one game that night. So he's played eight preseason games. I'm curious to see if he plays the next two as well, Wednesday and Friday. Uh, and so I think that. If he hasn't accomplished step number one, which is make the team, then he's pretty close to it. I I think he already has. I think that I'd I'd have him on my opening night lineup, and now the next step becomes these next two games against – you'll be seeing McDavid. You'll be seeing Drysaddle. You'll be seeing Pedersen. Like, you'll be seeing the best of the best in these next two. So now how does he do, do in those games? and from there, then the regular season starts, and and that next test begins for him.
4: You don't want to burn him out, but the games are spread apart. You play Wednesday, you play Friday, and then you've got a break before you open the season on October 11th. So I think that he could potentially play in seven of their eight preseason games. I think he gets at least one more game, but he has passed every test with flying colors. And... As impressive as he's been with the puck on his stick, and he's been very impressive, he leads the league in preseason goals and leads the team in preseason points. But as Mick pointed out, his work without the puck is so impressive. And I brought this up in the broadcast tonight, Patty. I think the energy and work that Jacob Pelche brought to the team last year was much needed because I think guys see that and kind of follow suit. So unfortunately, Jacob's not going to be available for the next number of weeks. But now you've got Matt who comes in and he's working like a dog and he's having success. And other guys are going to see that. And I think they're going to follow in line, which is crazy when you think about this kid having only played in one career meaningful NHL game and it wasn't even all that meaningful at the end of last season Mm -hmm. but he has been so impressive and he has he has something that not a lot of Flames forwards have and that is a right shot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he can shoot it but I think you have to be a more complete player you can't just be one dimensional again his play without the puck has been as impressive to me as anything else I've written it in pen. I would be stunned if he was not in the opening night lineup.
1: Oh yeah, I think I think I, I think that that's that in, unless unless something unforeseen happens. Yeah, I, I think that you could probably. I'm just now really curious as to okay, how does it translate to the next step, and that is the regular season and because this this is still preseason pace and the preseason's great and i i think he's done everything he can to this point in the preseason i'm going to be really interested to see what that next step is when now you're playing the best in the world in the regular season and and i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying that in a skeptical way i'm actually saying it in a in an excited way I'm, I'm curious to see how what we've seen so far here translates to when the games matter for real
3: yeah Well, when you think about him playing against guys like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. And I think that that's the the next natural progression and the next step for him is how does he play when he's up against guys like that? So, you know, I think that if we're sitting here wondering, you know, how is he going to fare against those guys? The coaches are probably thinking the same thing. And that if he can go out there and have a good game against some of the best, that that's a, that's a, great confidence booster for him as well. So, I mean, he's young. Let him let him play it out. Yeah. He can handle it.
6: Yeah. Uh, and
4: you you got to get used to the pro schedule because it's so much different sure. than the NCAA schedule, right?
1: He's never played a couple weeks like this before. Yeah, That's I know. Sure. Like,
4: you, you practice, practice, practice and, and then play on weekends. But... I mean, even the junior schedule is a lot different than the college schedule. That's a lot closer to a, a pro schedule. So I think this is a good opportunity for him to, to ramp up physically and mentally. The NHL's an everyday league. You're not playing two, three times a week here. You're playing three, four times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a great chance for him to get acclimated. And his game's been wrapping up. I know he had three goals and an assist in the preseason opener. But you take that with a grain of salt because it was against the Abbotsford Canucks. This was a pretty good Winnipeg Jets team tonight. They were missing some of their top players, but they had their number one goaltender who was once again in the Vesna Trophy conversation last season. Uh, they had their defense core here, missing a couple of guys because of the flu, but he was the best player on the ice tonight. And, and I think that speaks volumes. And I think he brought the best out of Michael Backlund. I agree. I'd love to see Blake Coleman yep. on the other side of that line pad to have two veteran 200 foot players like Backland and Coleman to kind of lead the way for Coronado and for him to maybe be the finisher on that line. Yep.
3: I think one interesting thing too, is that, you know, from a physiological standpoint, if we're talking about the volume of games that Matt Coronado has played, that's something that the training staff monitors. So they wear, they wear these units, they're called catapult units. We wore them with the national team for the last nine years that I played and they monitor your workload and your volume. And so trainers use that to make sure that players aren't being overloaded. Uh, and when they do, they back up their practice time, make sure that the, the practices aren't too intense. They communicate with the coaching staff and they say, Hey, this player's had this, this much volume, this much ice time. Um, and you look at their heart rate, their heart rate variability. It's a very, very uh, useful tool to make sure that players aren't being overloaded. So you wonder, too, they, they have to be looking at that and mm-hmm. making sure that any guys aren't, they're not being too taxed mm-hmm. too, ter- too early on in the season.
4: Now, and the Flames coaches have done a really good job kind of managing things because, as Jason LaBarbera pointed out, there are some teams playing six preseason games, like the Jets. The Flames are playing eight. Mm -hmm. So there have been off days. There have been optional morning skates like today. So there are different ways to manage the energy level of your players. So you can play a lot of games, but you've got to give them some other time off. And the coaches have done that for the players. So uh, I think he needs at least one more game, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him play in both because then you got a break before you open your season.
1: Um, phone lines are open, by the way, 403-240-4444. If you want to talk some Flames hockey on our Flames Talk postgame show, text line open at nine sixty nine sixty. That very shortly. We'll also hear from head coach Ryan Huska very shortly after this 5-4 win over Winnipeg. Um, two other, two other names that we were watching and that we talked about pregame were Dryden Hunt and Adam Ruzicka. Um, Hunt in that line had a rougher game. Guys, I... I don't know if I don't know if you're on the same page. I I think Adam has been very strong all preseason, and I thought he was very strong again tonight. Um, the Dubay goal that gets called back doesn't happen if he doesn't make three great plays. Uh, the goal that he scored was a high end finish. Uh, he has been around it. His playmaking has taken a step. I don't know. I I have not seen the uh, invisible. Or, and or lazy moments from Adam Ruzicka that I that that we've seen before, I I think he's taken a big step to making not only, he was going to make the team he's waiver eligible so I think he was going to be on the roster, but I think he's made a big step in probably being in this team's top nine to start the regular season
3: yeah i I liked his game tonight. I thought that you know Ryan Huska talked this morning about him having to play with a certain level of compete um, and I think that I think that he brought that tonight and I think that he 's shown that very consistently he 's been strong. Has he been flashy? No, but he's not a flashy player. I don't, I don't think that we're going to see that from him, but uh, I, I, I would agree with you. I think he's been strong, and I think that, uh, you know, he's, he's made a good case for himself. There was so much talk about him needing to have a really good camp, that this was crucial for him. I think that the game tonight was crucial for him as well, uh, and I think that, that he showed really well.
4: I think he's been good. But I'm not as high on him as you are, Patty. I still think there's been some inconsistency there. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a stretch tonight where I had to ask Mick if, if he had had a shift in a while because I just I didn't notice him. And when you see a guy like that, and maybe I'm expecting too much from him because of his size and his skill set, but I just want to notice him a little bit more. And, and he has made some really good plays. I'm not trying to take that away from him. But quite frankly he's not a top nine forward for me. If everybody who is currently healthy is still healthy to start the season, because I, I'm not playing Adam Rujitska ahead of Blake Coleman in my lineup. If I'm the coach, Blake Coleman's a top nine guy who happened to be on the fourth line tonight. Um, I'd love to see Adam be able to find a way to impact the game when he's not scoring goals and producing points. I think that's the next step for him. Um, And, you know what? They need someone to play fourth-line center. Kevin Rooney's gone down. He's no longer an option. Dryden Hunt told me this morning that, yeah, I, I can play center, and I have played center this year, but I'm more comfortable on the wing. They need someone to step up and, and play an important position on their fourth line. They also line need scoring with Walker off Deuer. the wing,
1: though. Yeah, they yeah also... but Blake
4: Coleman scored 20 goals in this league two or three times. I'm not he saying can...
1: that. I don't, I'm not So who are you
4: taking out of your top nine, then?
1: Well, I'm keeping Rizitschka with Kadri and Dubé right now.
4: So who, Sharon Govich? Like, someone's got
1: to come out. I'd I'd have no problem bumping Sharon Govich to the fourth line with the way that his preseason's gone. It's not like he's been bad, but I think Rizitschka's been more impressive than he has been.
4: I'm not sure I agree. Um, I'm not saying there's a huge gap between the two players, but... I, I, I'm just not quite as high on him as you are, and I'm not saying that I'm right and you're wrong, because calling games, it's hard for me to kind of focus in on a guy and watch them away from the puck maybe as much as you can, Pat. But So I'll just throw you yeah. Rzichka's
1: numbers tonight. Okay. 72.7% uh, on-ice possession, 16-6 were shot attempts at 5-on-5 five five with him on the ice. High dangers were 5 nothing Calgary with him on the ice. That's good
4: stuff, yeah. And he
1: had, and he had two of those high dangers yeah. on his stick.
4: I, again, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I might be wrong and you might be right. But I just, for me, when I look at their group of forwards, he would be number 10 for me right now. Huh. And think... and that's okay because yeah. I don't think your fourth line this season is going to be what your fourth line has been in past seasons. Mm-hmm. You're going to have Walker Doer on the right. Yeah, he's a big guy, but he's also got some skill. And he can skate and get in on the forward check. I don't know who's going to be on the left. Maybe it'll still be Dryden Hunt uh, or maybe somebody else but if you if you had adam rojitska and walker duer playing together if that was the the duo like i think those guys could create mismatch opportunities against the other team's fourth line right if you, the flames aren't going to be a team like the orders that that beats teams because their top three or four players are just better than yours they're going to be a team that wins because they've got balance and they've got depth and they can roll four lines and three pairings and play two or three goaltenders. That's how I think the Flames are going to win games. So if because you like what you've got in your top nine, Ruzhitska has to play on a combination with Dewar and someone else in your fourth line, I think that fourth line can go out and win some matchups. I don't even think that's a bad thing.
3: Yeah, and my thought was, I think that no matter where Adam Rozica ends up, I think I do think he ends up in the lineup, whether he's on the wing or at center. I think that he can have an offensive impact. And to your point, Wilsey the fourth line is not your typical fourth line bump and grind. This Mm -hmm. is a line that can go out there and they can score too. And I think that we're seeing a shift in a lot of fourth lines that teams have now in the NHL is that these are lines that can put up points as well. So, you know, I think, like I said, no matter where he went, ends up, I think that he can he can have an impact on this team.
1: Last thing I'd say, I, I would be curious to see uh, Zeri in that 4C spot uh, right? in one of the last two preseason games. How about
4: Rujitska on his left and Dewar on his right? Like, that could be a fun line to watch.
1: I... I... I'm 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 bought in on Rizhchka as a <laughs> You're like, well, not going I can't tell you, eh hey, Pat. You know, I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah. I just think he's earned it. I think he's been one of their best forwards in camp, I really do. So, I I think he's is the best camp I've ever seen from the guy. And and we know the raw tools that exist. So, um yeah, I'm 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 curious to see how it all plays out and what those final even what these line combinations look like on Wednesday and Friday for the final two preseason games, what they tried. Do they keep Manchapani with Huberdo and Lindholm? Uh, do they give that another look? Do they keep Coronado with Backland? Do they put Coleman back there? That's There's, there's a lot to, to figure out before yeah. uh, before we get to October
4: 11th. I'm not sure how after tonight you break Backland and Coronado up mm-hmm. unless you're just experimenting. But th- those two guys seem to have... Pretty instant chemistry, don't you think? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I think you let him go.
1: Yep. Uh, final thoughts: five-four. Final score: Flames beat the Winnipeg Jets. They're four-one and one in this preseason with two more games to go. To your phone calls and texts in just minutes, but a couple of final thoughts from you two, starting with Mick.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of good things. Uh, If you take that first period out of there, I think the team showed a lot of character in um, turning their game around after a a bumpy start. Uh, A good game from, not good game from Matthew Coronado, an outstanding game from Matthew Coronado, showing a lot of of promise for for this group. And I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with these line combinations in the next two games. But a lot of good things and a lot of things to be excited about.
4: Absolutely, and I think a step in the right direction tonight. So, Pat, when I joined you pregame, you asked me what I thought the Flames needed to work on as they ramped up for the regular season, and I said three things. Power play, penalty kill, defensive zone coverage. So, after the first period, I wasn't handing out check marks for any of them. Uh, they were over for 2 in the power play. Now, with that said, their power play looked pretty good in the first period, they just didn't score. Uh, They were disciplined, didn't take a penalty, so we couldn't see the penalty kill, and the defensive zone was a mess. Fast forward to the second and third periods, they score a power play goal, penalty kill's perfect, and I thought they looked way cleaner in the D zone in the final 40 minutes than they did in the first 20. So for me, a check mark uh, for all three boxes in the the second and third periods of the hockey game. And it was, uh, I think, a good step in the right direction, but still some work to do with two preseason games to go. Mm -hmm. You play against a couple of uh, division opponents and the Orders and the Canucks, and uh, then we get ready for the Jets again October 11th. Can't wait.
1: Bye, friends. Have a good rest of your Monday. See you on Wednesday.
4: Uh, Pat, Mm -hmm. is tomorrow a special day? Is. Happy birthday okay, well, you know. to you. <laughs> Happy Thank birthday you. to you. Thank you. Happy. You know, you're going to leave Happy me birth- hanging here, partner. <laughs> Come on. I'm not, Happy I'm not, birthday, birthday, dear, dear Pat. Pat. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. You. you.
3: You're a better singer than I am.
4: I am, I I am you, the I worst singer in the that world. world. That, that is a lie. <laughs> no,
1: harmony <it> was <laughs> <laughs> Good Thank night. you. Have a great night. Good night. Bye, friends. Uh, Megan and Derek signing off on this Monday night as the Flames improved to 4-1-1 in the 2023 preseason with a 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska as he spoke postgame game following his team's win over the Jets as well.
7: What's your biggest takeaway tonight? First period was a little bit like the Edmonton game for me, but I really liked our second and third. And the way the, it, it wasn't just the young guys skating away from pucks. It was, it was a lot of our older players too. So that was really nice to see for us. Yeah.
8: What can you say about Coronado and what he's done, not just today, but over the past uh,
7: few days? Uh, he wants to make a team, right? Like, I mean, he, when you, uh, we talked about, I think it was this morning, if I'm not mistaken, about if you watch him away from pucks when he doesn't have it, how hard he works to try to get it back. That's why he's had success. So he's been like a, a dog on a bone and, and he is hunting things hard. And, um, you know, we've talked about his shot before too. That's a, he, he gets it away quickly and it's hard. I think he's, I, I'm assuming that goaltenders probably don't know he can shoot like he can yet. And that'll change here shortly, but um, he's done a really good job for himself.
1: A big
2: guy. So what makes him so effective at hunting those pucks?
7: Um I, I think it's just uh, probably a mentality, I would guess. Um, he's tenacious. And the one thing that I would say about him too is he's very coachable. So if you go to him with something, um, he'll be like, okay, I'm going to do it. If you want me to do that, I'll do that. So um, he's put himself in a good position for sure. And I, um, we talked this morning about playing with Michael Backlund. I think, you know, that probably helps a young guy as well in certain situations maybe when you start getting a little bit um running around or maybe the game starts to get away from you having a guy like michael there helps
1: what do you think of your special teams units tonight
7: um i penalty kill was the best night we've had for sure um and the power play scored us the big goal that we needed so they did a good job tonight
9: Alan was saying that uh, you know matthew's shot is nhl worthy i wonder not comparably, but does he remind you, Matthew, of anybody in this game that you see some similarities? Oh, boy. I'm not even talking about the pressure yeah. side, but I just wonder if he shows you little glimpses of somebody that just reminds you of a player.
7: Yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know. I mean, there's going to be guys for sure, but right now um, it's not common to me. I, I mean, it's when you look at the release, that's what I, I think makes it a good shot and I feel like the older or not the older, the more experience that he gets he's going to learn how to be even a little bit quicker with it because there have been some times in these games where he's maybe handled a, little, a touch too long and he doesn't get the shot away so I think that's part of maturing and growing up and understanding uh, I have to do it one second quicker in order to make sure I get my shots away.
2: Mistakes are going to happen at this time of the year there's still lots of time to fix things but were you at all concerned with sort of sort the turnovers in your own end?
7: Um, in the first period yes so a short answer to that one that's got to be a focal point for us because you see how games change winnipeg's defense is is really good in regards to getting involved in the rush and if you give them chances or give them the puck or opportunities to get involved then shame on you type thing. so it's something that we have to work on it's been one of the the bigger weaknesses we've had in the exhibition games
2: usual to still have to work on it though
7: oh well, i think it's a a year-long thing <laughs> you know usually when when you don't win games there's typically turnovers at one of the blue lines um, so you you feed transition games and it's not a recipe for success for
10: sure so is goal symbolic of what you want to see from him he had a defender draped on him mm-hmm. Still managed to make that play in a in a gritty
7: area. Yep, absolutely, Eric. That's uh and, and he played with pace tonight too. When you watched him skate around out there, he's a big man, but he can get to places quickly when he's working. Um, and that's what we need to see out of him. You go to the net hard like that, he's a hard guy to contain.
1: What'd you uh
7: would you see out of Hunt and Schwint tonight? Um they didn't get a ton of ice time, I guess I would say. Um, they were on the ice for a couple of goals against. I, I thought um, Schwint actually did a pretty good job on a lot of face-offs that he ended up taking for us. He, there was a few key draws that I thought he won that we needed him to. Um, there were shifts in the second period where I thought that line was very good. They created some energy in the offensive zone and allowed our, the lines that were coming out next to kind of pick up off that momentum.
2: Jäger Sharongovich on a different line. I know we you started him at training camp on a different line. But what have been your impressions of him with uh, Coronado, but also in the bumper spot on the power
11: play? Like
7: yeah, he. he uh, I, I think he's a really good hockey player. Um, he's got a good skill set with him. He understands the defensive side of the game as well. Um, our, I think our challenge with him is going to be a little bit, to get him to be a little bit firmer on the puck and around the puck in certain areas. So um you know we flipped him around a little bit tonight um, but that's going to be one of our focal points for him moving forward for sure
12: just going back to eric's question about adam you've talked a lot about consistency for him and some of the young guys have you seen that consistency from adam in training camp do you need to see more of it as it goes on
7: for sure more of it um, but we have seen more um so he's done a lot of the things that we've asked him to do so that's something that makes us happy and i hope it makes you know him proud of his effort as well so uh, we keep saying that the challenge for him now is not what he did today. It's going to be what he's going to do in Edmonton.
2: Not to dial back on Coronado, but did it feel like tonight he was a little bit more tenacious than what we've seen early in training camp? I think some of us uh, have observation, but I'm curious well, from
0: you.
7: This was a really good game for him, for sure. Like he was a guy that was, he was, he was creating a lot of um, turnovers on on their side by how he was working. Uh, and sometimes you know, he played all three games in and He's played every exhibition game so far. So you're not going to be at your best every time. It's just getting him to understand that there's a certain ways he's got to play all the time. And um, you'll have nights like this, and you'll also have some nights when you're quiet as well.
1: There you go. That is head coach Ryan Huska post game following a 5-4 Flames win over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Scotia Bank Saddledome. Hey, phone lines are open 403-240-4444. Text lines open at 969 960 What you want to talk about? You want to talk about uh, Rizicka Coronado? Um, other camp battles? Other players pushing for spots? Lots of things on the table. All things Flames does not just have to be related to this game. You know how it works in the preseason. We can talk all kinds of things. So the phone lines open, text lines open as well at 960-960. It's your Flames talk post game show. It's Steinberg along with you, and we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Your phone calls, your texts coming up next, uh, and a whole lot more post game reaction following a 5-4 Flames preseason win over winnipeg it's steinberg and your flames talk post game show and this is flames hockey on sportsnet 960 the fan
0: Our Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Doug Lacey's Basement System's Hot Stove Lounge. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary.
1: All right, Flames take a 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets on this Monday night. Preseason game 6 of 8 all wrapped up. It's Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Phone line's open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 96960. we'll get there momentarily but right now it's your save of the game brought to you by shane holmes second start of the preseason and first full game for jacob markstrom in this preseason and jacob's save of the game comes in period number one need a rider in centers it Ayafalo shoots markstrom comes across the crease and makes a good save that ends up being one of Jacob's 24 saves in this game and that is your save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes for every save a Flames goaltender makes Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary visit shaneholmes.com the better way to build thought uh, i i don't put a ton of stock as we know in preseason preseason outings for veterans um, I did think Jacob's first game—the 40 minutes he played in Game One against Vancouver—uh, better than this one tonight. But as I didn't think that you know, I the there was the one where maybe he wasn't ready for it. That would have been, I think, the uh, second Gustafson goal, the 4-4 goal. Um, but otherwise, like right now, even as Jason Labarbera said earlier here on our Flames Talk post game, you know. The preseason's for. It's it's for getting yourself ramped up. And I find especially for goal, I didn't think Connor Hellebuck was very good tonight either. Um I thought I thought Markstrom was okay. I thought Hellebuck struggled. Um I'm really not overly worried about that for what it means for the, the regular season. Do I think that Jacob needs to bounce back? Of course. Do I know for sure he's going to? Nope. My gut says he will. Uh, I think he'll have a much better season that's far more like the Jacob Markstrom than he's been for the balance of his career as opposed to last year. Um, But I, uh, I, I guess what I would say to you is I'm no more or less confident in Jacob bouncing back after this game the same way I'm no more or less confident in Connor Hellebuck and what he's going to be this year I think Jacob will have a good year um, and I I think that you'll, you'll see him get one more preseason game my guess is they go Vladar Wednesday against Edmonton and then Markstrom Friday in the preseason finale against the Vancouver Canucks in this preseason home finale uh, this is the last home game of the 2023 exhibition season. Matt Coronado put on a show for a second time. He had uh, three goals and four points last Sunday in that 10-rip win over Vancouver. And in this win, 5-4 over Winnipeg, had the game-winning goal, added a couple of assists, was a very strong night for Matt Coronado. Let's hear from him post-game as he spoke inside the Flames locker room.
9: How would you evaluate the value your game this evening?
13: Um, I think we did a better job as the game went on. Um, I think as a group we, we did a good job um, with our forwards being hard on pucks and um, getting back quick and I think we did a good job getting to the net too. How about for you personally? How would you evaluate the way you played? Um, I think for me, I just want to go out and, and work hard. Um, and I think I was able to get in on the forecheck a few times and, and create some turnovers, and um, that's definitely
8: what I'm looking to do. Did you did you make it a point of uh, it looked like you were a lot harder on pucks or your stick was in the right place? Is that something that you maybe tried to focus on early on? or? Yeah, I think every night
13: that that's what I'm trying to do is just be one of the hardest working guys be good with little details like that um, definitely a big focus
1: You've played a lot of hockey dating back to the beginning of Penticton. How are you feeling I guess physically and I guess how are you feeling about your game and how it's grown since the beginning of camp?
13: Um, I feel good. Like like I said I, I think every day I'm just getting more and more comfortable um, and I think uh, like I feel good I get, like I kind of said a couple days ago when, when you're with these guys and playing with, with this group. I think it's it's easy for me at least to kind of keep my energy up. It's it's, it's exciting to be here so i having a lot of fun. when
9: said that he noticed your energy tonight and you provided that spark. Is that something that given that maybe you've played a few games you have to kind of mentally tell yourself or is that just, hey, in this moment I need to find another level every night?
13: I think just keep getting better better and better every day. Um, I think the work part of it is a huge part. Um, backs is, is such an easy guy to play with. Um, plays the game the right way and um, so I'll be able to find some success.
2: Can you describe what it's
7: like playing with Michael Backlund and why he's such an easy guy to play with? What is it that he does that makes it easy for you when you're out there?
13: He does everything. He does yeah. all the little things. Um, he's always working, always in the right spots. Um, he can make a, a lot of plays um, so he's just such a uh, reliable and smart player, um, and he definitely makes it really easy for his linemates. Luck well,
10: is one of the best in the game. so it kind of cool to get one on him?
13: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. It's just, um, I don't know, it is, yeah. Has
10: <laughs> this camp been as, like, beaten your expectations in terms of what you've been able to do and improve yourself?
13: Yeah, I think it was kind of hard to have expectations coming in. I think for myself, I just expected myself to go out and and try and put my best foot forward. Um, And that's just what I'm going to continue to try and do.
1: There you go. That is Matt Coronado postgame following his three-point performance against Winnipeg. Had the game winner early in the third period, added a couple of assists in the second period. Number one star performance from Matt Coronado. Very strong as he continues to make his case to be on the opening night roster and in the opening night lineup. If you ask me, I I think he probably has. Uh, I think that's probably what you're going to see, but uh, still two more preseason games to go. As we move towards the regular season opener, let's get to the text line for the first time tonight at 969.60. This reads. Uh Ruzicka's been more impactful than Sharon Govich for me. Give me Sharon Govich, Zary Dewar uh, in the next game. Keep Lindholm with Huberdeau and Manjapani. You can have Backlund, Coleman, and Coronado, and then keep Kadri Ruzicka and Dubé together. You were mentioning Rooney isn't an option anymore. Is he injured? Yeah, I believe he uh, sustained a shoulder injury, um, an upper body injury for sure, but sustained an injury in practice Sunday. Uh, I believe that he was getting tests today, so uh, we might find out more on Tuesday what the uh, scenario is on Kevin Rooney but it sounds like he'll be out a little bit of time anyway um, so that was uh, that's the news there so uh, both Pelche and Rooney have been injured on on the forward ranks and of course Gilbert on the back Gilbert's close I think a uh, decent chance I think we'll see Gilbert in at least one of the last two preseason games he's been working his way back he's been skating on his own so I think he'll probably rejoin practice here pretty soon and could be back in the lineup uh, in, in that wednesday game against edmonton or if not probably that friday game in vancouver um this says from don uh is there any news on if the oilers and flames will have an alumni game for the heritage classic that's from dom rather who shares a birthday uh with me apparently on october 3rd so happy birthday to you dom um there will not be an alumni game. No, that, uh, it's a really quick in and out. So they do practice on Saturday outdoors. Each team will practice outside on the Saturday. Then they play on Sunday and boom, that's it. Uh, so no, there will not be an alumni game. Kind of similar to the last one the Flames played in with Winnipeg in 2019. There wasn't uh, an alumni game there either. So no, no alumni game for this Heritage Classic at Commonwealth. Um, This says, I have not liked Ruzicka this preseason. I'd like to see him with Dewar for sure. He just doesn't seem to fit on that line with Dubé and Kadri. I'd like to see Sharon Govich there instead. I I think Ruzicka has been one of their best forwards, but I think he is a contentious subject because the inconsistencies have been there throughout his career. Um, I think that that is is sometimes something that... uh, I I think there are a lot of different opinions out there because of that. I think he's had a really good camp, and I think that he's earned himself a shot to get a a top-nine opportunity to start the year. I don't know if he'll be able to keep that the rest of the year, but he's a confident guy, and if he keeps playing the way that he's played in my eyes so far in camp, I, I think they've got potentially a nice little X factor for themselves especially knowing that they sustained that injury to Jacob Pelche. If Rzichka can jump in and be a top-nine wing option for them, I think that's good news for them. Uh, this from Jared and Lethbridge. Pat, great game tonight. I've thoroughly enjoyed the web feeds this preseason. Makes you feel like you're actually at the Dome while also enjoying the talents of Derek and Megan. Two questions. If you boil this team down to its hockey essence, what type of player uh, do they have once it's done? Two, do you personally feel they have the pieces to compete against elite teams? I feel like team toughness would be an issue in the postseason and they have too many bottom six players playing up. Your thoughts? Um, okay, so what type of team do they have? Since says, what type of player do they have once it's all said and done? Well, if we're talking about like what type of player they are like in terms of the, the competition, like um, how much of a player they'll be in the Stanley Cup or playoff consideration... I think that they are a playoff team or a playoff competitive team. I think they can be a playoff team. Um, I think they can be a team that uh, finishes in a top three spot in the Pacific division. I don't think that I could be, I could sit here and confidently say they're the best team in the Pacific division or a team that's going to win that division. Um, But, and, and who knows, crazier things have happened. The last two times the flames won the Pacific. We weren't saying that, but I think that they are a team that should compete for a playoff spot this year. I think it would still be disappointing if they miss the playoffs. I know last year they missed. Well, last year was super disappointing, and they haven't changed that much, and they also have brought in a new head coach and a new general manager. I think it would be a disappointment if they miss the playoffs. I think they should be a playoff team this year. I think that's a fair expectation, and, and I think that wild card – Yeah, but I I don't think it's crazy to think that they could be in that mix with Los Angeles and Seattle for the third spot in the Pacific Division. As for uh, do they have the ability to compete with the elite teams, I I think – I think that they can be competitive, but what they don't have is the game breaker that those elite teams have. Um, and, and you know, does Vegas have that elite game-breaking player? Maybe not, but their depth is just so ridiculous that – and they do. I mean, actually, that's that's not fair because what Jack Eichel did in this postseason and even what he did last regular season, he returned to being one of the elite number one centers in the NHL. So they do have that game-breaker. Uh, but like you know it's not edmonton with mcdavid and Drysidel, it's not colorado with mckinnon and ranton and uh, they don't have guys like that so when it comes down to it when those players really take hold of the conversation yeah they they might they might struggle there in a playoff series or otherwise but i think they can be competitive and i think they are a deep group because they have got i think a top nine forward group without having that, you know, true elite top line. So their strength is their depth in my eyes, and, and I think that they can be competitive with most teams in this league if if they're able to use that depth as a true strength. Uh this says what else we got here? How do you guys think Markstrom played? Looked a little shaky out there. I was at the game sitting behind the net. Yeah, I didn't think it was as good as his first game, but again, I'm I'm not worried I'm I still Don't put a ton of stock. I will continuously go back to Mike Smith's first preseason with the Flames. He was horrid, and then he got off. He had a great first two-thirds of the season before he got hurt. He was elite for the first two-thirds of the season before he got hurt, and he came off. Just a horrid preseason. Uh, This from Brad and Shaughnessy. Seems to be Mr. Coronado had a good game. He did indeed. Uh, This says, Pat, why was Dubé's goal called back? They didn't have the sound on where I watched it, so I wasn't sure. Goalie interference is why. Um, He kind of, as he went in, tried to finish the move and finish the uh, stick handling in a phone booth. Deke, he kind of pushed Hellebuck's pad into the net and then scored, so it was the right call. It was goalie interference, um, but it was still a nice play. Uh, this from Leandro. Two things on the Markstrom front. I was the equipment spy last year, and he looked like he tested some Bowers for one practice over the preseason this year and went back to his CCMs for the preseason. Interesting to see what he'll wear opening day. Uh, just a little nerding out there. Second, I didn't catch much of the first and third, but from the highlights, I think he had just the one softie right after Backlund's goal. Otherwise, in my opinion, as a goalie myself, to Tough to put any others on him. The Markstrom haters are coming out of the woodwork early, it seems, from some comments on social. What do you think, shaky start or just preseason rust considering he played only two periods about a week ago? Yeah, I'm, I'm not worried about it, as I've said. I do know, I don't know what. Uh, i I'll, I'll um, defer to guys like Azam or even Aaron Vickers, who are of the uh, goaltending equipment nerd variety. And I say that in a loving way. Um, he, di- he did try out two or three sets of pads and kits, though, in practice. I, I know that, but I don't know to what extent or what models they were or anything like that. I'm bad at goaltending gear, and I cop to it. And I will never pretend to be an expert about it. Uh, This says Coronado plays such a relentless puck hounding style. It's been a pleasure to watch. He's absolutely making the team. I think he is. Uh, Gorav says the way Coronado's playing with pace, determination, and that shot, not only should he be in the top six, but he deserves a look on that line with Huberto. We'll see if uh, that happens at some point in the preseason as well. Great stuff on the text line. We'll dive back in to the text line in a couple of minutes uh, as you can keep getting them in. We'll get to as many as we can we usually get to all the texts at 960 960 so that's the text line the phone lines are open at 403 240 uh give us a call right now if you want to chat some flames hockey on this monday night it's pat steinberg along with you on your flames talk post game show on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get them let's kick it off by saying a little mike what's going on mike
14: pat happy early birthday good to talk to you again
1: thank you sir good to talk to you as well
14: yeah, no, I was at tonight's game, and uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's 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 been sort of the preseason of the little guy's name, Matty, because, you know, our old buddy Matthew Phillips is on the top line in Washington with Ovechkin, and I think Coronado is putting together a pretty good case. I mean, what that last caller or that last texter, I think, said, mm-hmm. playing on a line with Huberto, I mean, my goodness, that, that shot that he has, I mean, it, it, that question that was asked to Huska and that presser, about who he reminds him of. I mean, he did, he couldn't come up with an answer, but the one that comes right to my mind is Mike Camilleri. I mean, he just fires the shot like it's nothing. He's got a crazy release. And, uh, you know, I think you should switch to, to Camilleri's old number 13 because uh, nobody else has worn that recently. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think you know, watching Coronado, I, I really like him with Backlund, and it's a testament to what Backlund does. And you look at all the guys that he's brought in over the years, whether it be Kachuk or Bennett before that, uh, a bunch of different guys. And, you know, I I don't mind those two playing together. I like Sharon Govich on the other side of that line, too. I'm not sure why they split it up, because I thought Coleman was really off tonight, and I think he's been off for a lot of the preseason. Um, but yeah, no, uh, on Coronado undeniably earned a spot more. I mean, more than I think anybody could have expected him to accomplish, mm-hmm. uh, in this preseason. And that, so he was one of the guys who I really was watching going into tonight. Sharon Govich was another one. and I thought he was really strong too. Your point on Ruzichka, I mean, I, I, I don't dislike him and I think he has been up and down. I think you were sort of getting to it. I think Ruzichka is sort of a guy where people watch him and they see what they kind of want to see sometimes. Um, It's hard to sort of discern sometimes, you know, whether he's on or he's off because people have these preconceived notions that he's inconsistent. And he is pretty inconsistent, but I think yeah, which I, I
1: and, and I get that right. Like I understand why yeah. that happens because he has been a frustrating player to watch in the past. So I yeah. I understand, and I'm not saying that every, and I'm not saying that for instance when Derek and I talked about it earlier that that's what he's doing, because I I don't know if that's what it is, but right. I do I, I do think even for me I've had to really push back on that because because I have some preconceived notions, and uh, so I've I've really tried not to let those cloud me this preseason because I, I first of all I'm a big fan of the the overall tools the player has and if he ever puts it together they've got a good player on their hands and so yeah, have, I'm kind of yeah, rooting but, for the guy because of that
14: yeah and I have my own preconceived notions of Rzichka and I think he's done a pretty good job I think he's done what he's what's been asked of him my my main point would be I think I would rather have Ruzicka on the fourth line left wing than Sharon Govich and just I think, you know, the fourth line in underpass regimes has been sort of used uh, in cer- a certain way that is, you know, you put the, 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 the detritus uh, down there, not to speak ill of anybody, but it, it, was just, it was just a different way that it was lineups. You would yeah, have guys like Richardson and Lucic and Lewis, and, and you know, nothing against those, those guys, but, you know, it's just not, I don't think, a style that really adheres itself to 2023. And so I think Walker Dewar, has, who has really grown on me, I think embodies that. And I think Dewar and Ruzicka. you know, you can have a fourth line in today's NHL that can score and can push teams around. And if Rzichka can add that element, I think that's where he's probably better suited because I think a guy like Sharon Govich has got to play with skill guys. Sharon Govich is a big guy, but, you know, it was the hallmark of his when he was in New Jersey was that he had to play with Jack Hughes. Otherwise, he was not really that effective at all, which is why I think Sharon Govich has got to be with either Kadri or Huberto one of those two guys, if he's on the fourth line, I don't think you're going to get much out of him. Whereas with Rzichka, I think if he's down there, and I really, really love the idea of putting Connor Zary at the center of that line, because I think Zary has probably had the best preseason of all the different guys vying for that spot. I don't think Cole Mm -hmm. Schwint has been all that impressive. I, I think Dryden Hunt has had his ons and offs, but I don't think you want to play him at center. I mean, obviously Rooney is injured. So, you know, that is one where I think you can add another Rookie to the lineup, and if you have, I, I think as long as the fourth line is cohesive, I don't think there's a problem with it being younger and more skilled.
1: only well, thing that, I, and I, I don't have a problem with that either. I yeah. don't. I just, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious what the, what the the. Can you do the pros and cons of a Ruzicka and a Sharon govich and and who should be in in top nine or who should play on that fourth line? And I mean, look, if if at some point you know if if at some point they they do roll a Coleman on a fourth line like that, I don't I don't know if that's the worst thing either. Um, just if 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 that's the way, it, especially if we're talking about it being a non-traditional fourth line. I don't think Blake Coleman's a fourth line player, but if you're rolling a fourth line for 13 minutes a night, and then Blake's also getting his penalty killing minutes, then then he's probably still getting the 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 touches he wants. If you do feel like you do want to go Sharon Govich with Backland or something like that, but if it was between Ruzicka and Sharon Govich, I guess there's a there's a few things that are interesting to me because I think Sharon Gov- does Sharon Govich's speed and two way game does it not also fit the non traditional fourth line that you're just talking about? And I get what you're saying about him in New Jersey playing better with Jack Hughes as opposed to being a bottom six forward. I feel that. And yet I also feel the same could be said about Rizicca who was almost a point per game player when he was with Lindholm until that dropped off last year. And then, and that not, not, not over like five games over like 25 games and is not as effective in my eyes or hasn't been as effective as a fourth line center. So I think it's a similar argument you can use to both guys. Yeah. And I think
14: that's a fair point too. And I mean, you have to go back and remember the reason Adam was was called up in the first place is because he was put on a line in the AHL where he was playing some, with some really good players. And all of a sudden they were feeding him the puck and he was going to goal per game on a line with Phillips way back in the COVID year. Uh, and, you know, he's definitely a guy who benefits from that. And so I, I see your point there. Um, yeah. And then the other, the other, uh, the other uh, camp battle that I feel obligated to comment on is uh the defense, you know, yeah. and it actually goes back to a point, you know, with Coleman where, you know, I almost wonder, I really like Blake Coleman. Um he's a good guy, I mean, but uh, I I almost wonder if at a certain point it is and this is a way, this is not a question for now, it's probably a question for a summer or two in the future. But I almost wonder if, you know, obviously with with Shillington's situation uncertain, The need for, you know, I think with all the defensemen that are coming up, uh, their contracts, I almost wonder if that's a guy who you maybe look to flip for a defenseman at some point down the road. We're not there yet. But at this point, um, I also think you also have to start looking at what you have internally. And I will say. You know, ever since the midway mark of last season, I watched the Wranglers really intently last year, and Ilya Solovyov was their best defenseman. And I, I did not see it coming. I mean, he was the third, uh, third or fourth defenseman they picked back in 2020, and I thought Poirier or Kuznetsov would make it before he he would. I
1: just don't, but, I just don't think he's a top. Like I don't think he's one of the six best right now. You know, th- that's that's
14: that's where I maybe disagree with you because I thought Jordan Osterly— and I know you have the analytics, and I, I know they were favorable for him tonight. But boy, his puck management is just really, really shoddy, if you ask me. And it has been, I watched him a lot in Arizona, too, and it was just, it was never, he's, he's a guy who activates a lot, but I don't know if you're comfortable playing in the playoffs with a guy like Jordan Osterley. Now, maybe, maybe he can have a, you know, a good Branson type of really good season in, in a certain role. But my, my my thing right now is you want to start getting because Kuznetsov top four minutes down in Cal- down with the Wranglers. And I would not object at all. To, I think Solovyov's earned a spot. Now, now they. Have I think Dennis he's Gilbert been fine, obviously. and
1: we got we got to start to wrap wrap up. That's fine. That's fine. I, That's fine. I I think he's been fine. Like I, I think he deserves to still be here as yeah. as one of the nine or whatever is left remaining, uh, eight or nine that is left remaining on on this roster. I really do, and I don't think he's been. I like I, I think that he deserves to be in the mix. I just don't know if like I, I think Osterley's pace and and I think the it's it's very similar to the role that Troy Stetcher played last year and, and yeah. Stetcher helped him a lot. Um I, I think that there is a place for that and I would rather have Solovyov playing all the time with the Wranglers for the time being to start the year and have Gilbert as your seven up here if you want to go that way. And and then when the time comes, maybe injuries or whatever, then you can go the Solovyov route. So I don't disagree with you on the player. I just don't know if he's one of the six best. And I'd rather have him as like a one, two in, uh, with the Wranglers than a seven with the Flames is, is my only rebuttal. And, and you got to be quick on, on your final rebuttal because yeah. I got to move on.
14: No, I'll just say, yeah, no, he's the guy, you know, I obviously, Poirier gets the headlines because he was an all-rookie team player last year. But if you watch the Wranglers this year, watch Solovyov because he is so smooth and so steady with the puck. He has all the tools, I think, to be a really good second-pairing defenseman in the future. So anyway, Pat, uh, anyway, uh, don't go too hard for your birthday tomorrow. Uh, We want you uh, hosting the show all year. So uh, have have a good one. Have a good evening.
1: You too, Mike. I'll, 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 be, I'll be sure to be to be tame. It's a Tuesday night. Appreciate it, Mike. Good to hear from you, buddy. Um, you know, maybe less so on Saturday, this past Saturday. But this coming Tuesday, yeah, I'll be t- pretty tame. 403-240-4444 is your phone number following a Flames 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets. As we continue along on your Flames Talk postgame show, let's welcome Joy in. What's up, Joy?
15: How much, Pat? How are you?
1: I'm doing all right.
15: Yeah, second time I say hi to you tonight.
1: That's right. It was um, good. It was good to see you up there.
15: <laughs> yes, it's a way up there. Um, happy birthday for tomorrow.
0: Thank you. And
15: they got a few things. Um, so it was a nice little uh, moment of silence this, uh tonight for Snowy, which was nice. Um, and I want to talk about Coronado. So he had a good game. Um, I liked his. You know, he's got a good shot. Uh, he's really good, you know, away from the puck getting like he's like my puppy dog with a new bone, you know, he's, he's straight on it. Um, but what, what is the sort of notes on him on his skating? Cause he, it looks like to me, like his skating is sort of his weak part. Every time he kind of starts to go, I'm worried he's going to fall. Like, <laughs> is that one of his, uh, areas of improvement?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an area that the, the organization has, has been looking at, um, improving with him for sure uh he and it's not like he's a poor skater it's just you know once you get to the NHL you just keep on uh, you just keep on needing to work on that unless you're a straight-up elite skater uh, a lot of guys work on their skating non-stop uh, throughout their NHL careers like we're talking veterans and young players so yeah I think it's an area that he'll continue to work on it's not like his primary weapon you know it's funny the last caller Mike i'm I'm with him when he taught I'll, I'll give you a two comparisons for Coronado that I've heard from people that are very smart and, and smarter than I am quite much smarter than I am when it comes to, to hockey, uh, Camillary's one of them. Craig Conroy was the one who brought it up to me for the first time when I was sitting with him in Penticton and the GM of the Flames said, yeah, if, the, if he can be like a Camilleri, I see a lot of similarities there. And both me and Aaron Vickers looked at each other and said, damn, that's a really good comparison. You know, Camilleri was not a burner. He was not the, the world's most gifted skater NHL wise, uh, but he was smart. He understood the game. He understood the offensive zone. He found soft spots and he had a really, really really good shot so that that screams Coronado and and then the other one that Mark Savard brought up on Friday's post game was Chris Versteeg. now I don't know if Coronado distributes it quite as well as Versteeg does maybe he maybe we end up seeing that but I think where I, I think where the similarities are you know Versteeg maybe more of a distributor and Coronado more of a finisher but I think what the similarities are again Versteeg, not an elite NHL skater, but understood the offensive zone really well. High hockey IQ and very tenacious. And same with Camilleri. Very tenacious on pucks. Not not huge, but played like they were hard to knock off pucks. They kept on going in battles. They had good active sticks and hard sticks in battles. And, and that's what I see Coronado. So I, I do I think that skating will ever be like his primary strength at the NHL level. No. Uh but I do think that he's got plenty of other high-end strengths that will make it so that's it's not really a uh a detriment at all.
15: Yeah, okay. And uh, yeah, Calgary's also I think got a pretty good um sc- uh skating coach also.
1: Yes. To help with that. DF, Daniel F- Daniel Fajuda, yeah. best in the business. Um
15: so also I think the Flames had a decent penalty kill tonight. We had a couple chances shorthanded, and there was only two penalties, but wasn't one of them, and even one of them was just a face-off infraction, wasn't
16: it, Backlund?
1: Uh, Backlund had, a, uh, Backlund had delay a, a, a delay a game, and then the other one was, uh, the other power play was the fracas with Backlund and Anderson in the second
5: period.
15: Yeah, so they're pretty disciplined. It was uh, compared to some games we've seen them play. Um, my last point, going back to the middle of the second period, just before they had that outburst of four goals, mm-hmm. um, did they change the lines from what they had started the game with in the first period?
1: They uh, they kind of made a um, they made a couple of shifts. They, for instance, they moved Coleman up to play with. Backlund, so they kind of swapped Sharon Govich there uh, with Coleman. Uh, so they did that in, I want to say, the second or third period. Um, so they put Sharon Govich with, um, well, they and, and they kind of, they kind of dialed back on that fourth line a little bit too so Schwint and hunt played a whole lot less they gave Coleman a little bit more time they uh, put Sharon Govich at times with Schwint a little bit so that was kind of what we saw
15: okay because yeah, it just seemed to like all of a sudden just change and it seemed like a bit of a different game and things just started to click a lot better
1: they didn't they didn't break up um they didn't break up the uh, Kadri or lindholm line though
15: Okay. Well, that was all my uh, questions for tonight,
1: Pat. All right. You have a uh, wonderful night, and uh, it's good to hear from you, Joy. You too. Okay. Bye. See you, Joy. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. Flames win 5-4 over the Winnipeg Jets in this preseason game at number six. Let's say hello to Annand, who joins us on the line right now. What's going on, buddy?
16: Good evening, Pat.
1: How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? But thank you.
16: I'll first wish you a happy birthday for tomorrow advance. happy birthday. Uh, Thank you for all what you do. Your kindness and support has been amazing.
1: Well, happy to do so. And thank you, pal.
16: All right. Uh, Next thought uh, would be I wanted to see if you uh, are going to expect or are we going to expect to see Dustin Wolf in the next couple of uh, preseason games as a goaltender? Uh, What's up with him? Like, are we going to expect to see or would it be just Dan Blader and Marstrom switching back and forth?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, I would say probably we don't see Wolf again in a preseason start. Um, I think that that's just my gut. I don't know that for sure, but my my guess is that we see Vladar start on uh Wednesday versus Edmonton and then Markstrom Friday in Vancouver.
16: Okay, gotcha. And uh, for Matt Conorato, I know he was amazing tonight with the one goal and how he is playing with the locker room. Uh, we can most definitely maybe see him in the NHL roster for Flames, right? Yeah, definitely.
1: I think I, I think pretty good chance that he'll start the year in the NHL.
16: All right. And last question maybe. Uh, this is regarding uh, other, uh, what do you call it? uh AHL players like uh, Dryden Hunt or Slovio. Uh, Do you think any of them will make it to the NHL roster or do you think they'll get shifted around?
1: Um I think I think that they are still in the mix. I think Drayden Drayden Hunt despite you know having uh, probably his roughest game yet of the preseason tonight. I think he's got a chance to um be in the uh beyond the roster for the start of the regular season. I think Solovyov probably more destined to head to the American League uh to start, but the thing is and and the thing you always have to remember is that they can always like Starting the year in the American Hockey League doesn't mean that you end the year there, right? There's always in-season recalls, and a lot of times, you know, you'll we'll be talking about somebody who's really impressed in training camp. They go to the American League to start just because roster-wise that makes the most sense, and then they come back up once injuries hit or whatever the case may be comes in the regular season. So, So don't discount that. Yeah,
16: definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, thanks for the chat again, and happy birthday to you once again, and talk to you soon, or hopefully I can meet you someday soon as well.
1: Okay, good. Absolutely, buddy. Good to hear from you.
16: Yeah, good to have a good night.
1: You too, Anne, and appreciate it, man. Uh, 403-240-4444, your phone number as the Flames take a 5-4 win over the Winnipeg Jets on this Monday night. Your Flames Talk postgame continues with Carl on the phone line. What's going on, Carl?
8: Hey, Pat, not too much. How about yourself? I'm good, man. Great. Well, I wanted to just get your thoughts on everyone's uh, favorite topic, which is truculence. Um, So I really like the look of the squad this year, you know, having some players on that fourth line with, you know, some higher offensive wing, I think is kind of a nice change. But I do wonder whether we might be perhaps like missing a bit of muscle to maybe dissuade some of the antics like guys like uh, Kenny up in Edmonton or the Kachuk brothers or Jack guy in Montreal. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on whether you see uh, potentially any issues with team toughness this year or maybe that's a thing of the
12: past.
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a, thing of the past, I still think that that teams very much value that uh and in in today's NHL. I, I know that even, you know, Craig Conroy values having um, team toughness as, as part of his group. Um I do think uh with uh, they, they've they've got some. Um, I think with when you throw Zadorov's name into the mix, um, I, I think that they a couple of other names that I think that you could point out there. Like they they do not have. There's there's no doubt they do not have a player like Lucic anymore. That you know, strikes fear in the heart of of another team just because he's he's that type of player. And I'm not even saying like Lucic at his best was never a straight up enforcer but, boy, he was an intimidating guy, and he didn't lose a lot of fights. And when he was Owly or he had you uh, in the crosshairs, that was intimidating. Uh, they don't really – they do not have that type of guy. I think Walker Dewar plays at some edge. I think Dryden Hunt, if he makes the team, plays at some edge. I think Nikita Zadorov and Mackenzie Wieger are, are able to – do but do they have that one guy? No, not not necessarily. They don't. Am I? I – I don't worry about that being something that is ultimately, like, super detrimental to them for their success this year. I don't, especially come regular season. But I I will concede that they they don't have that um, player like they did last year in Milan Lucic.
8: Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, yeah, Coleman and Ligier and Zdorov, like you mentioned, are all guys that can, you know, drop their gloves occasionally, but not necessarily – their game like it was for the Richie brothers or Lucic. I did wonder if, uh, if Klapka was perhaps that guy I haven't watched too much. Uh, no is not all, a but... Klapka's
1: not a big fighter, like he'll do it now because I think he understands that with his frame there's there's something to be gained by doing it here once in a while, but that's not really a big part of his game again he's done it we've seen him drop the gloves in the preseason we've seen him drop the gloves in the American League, but it is it's it's not like he's. He's intimidating because he's a massive human, but it's not like uh, the same type of intimidation that we're talking about or, or that you're getting at.
8: Yeah, gotcha. makes sense. Well, I wonder if that's potentially something they think about maybe addressing if it becomes an issue this year. It seems like, you know, the Flames have always had kind of a tough guy, you know, every pretty much every year for the last many years. So I wonder if that's something they address midseason. But otherwise, hope it's a great year and uh, hope you have a happy birthday tomorrow.
1: Okay, thank you, Carl. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, thanks a lot. Have a great night. Phone lines remain open at 403-240-4444 if you want to chat with us on this Monday night. Text line remains open at 960-960 as well following a Flames uh, 5-4 victory over the Winnipeg Jets here at the Bank Saddledome. Steinberg with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And it's time to select tonight's Player with Heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. Uh, Matt Coronado Earned the hardest working flame earlier in our Flames talk post game, so I'm gonna go. I've, I've got a, I've got a couple ideas, but I'm just narrowing it down right now. Um, but I'm gonna go with Michael Backlund. I thought that Backlund was the guy that. Um, kind of drove the bus whenever he was on the ice. I thought he was pretty darn dominant. Uh, Michael Backlund finished when we take a look at his on-ice outputs when it was all said and done. Uh, He was a 60% five-on-five possession player. Shot attempts were 15-10 Calgary with Backlund on the ice, uh, including 11-3 shots on goal. Um, Scoring chances were 5-3 and 2-1 at high danger. And then individually, Michael Backlund Uh, had nine shot attempts, second on the team. Uh, he put six shots on net, which led the team along with Noah Hannifin. Uh, he had four individual scoring chances to lead the team, and three of those were from the slot or of the high danger variety. Two rush attempts, like he was just—he was a really, really impactful player tonight. So I thought Michael Backlund was outstanding, and he is our player with heart tonight. Brought to you by HeartFit Clinic for HeartFit assessments and proven treatments. Not available at your doctor's office. Visit heartfit.ca. As uh, we continue along from the Scotiabank Saddledome and our Flames Talk post-game show, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, we're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Let's go back inside the Flames locker room. We just named Michael Backlund the player with heart for this game. And uh, let's hear from him. Michael Backlund spoke inside the Flames locker room post-game following a win over the Jets.
9: Michael, final uh, home preseason game. Uh, and this one, a few ebbs and flows. How did you see this one? What's the difference, I guess, that you would take away?
11: Uh, I think we played a little more pace, uh, second and third period. Um we played a little quicker in neutral zone and we were fortunate better hunting pucks and you know, when we turned over we played faster and uh, that's how we got, got out and we created some turnovers, and went to the net and got rewarded. No
9: one wants to get too far ahead of themselves but it's certainly encouraging to see what young Matthew Coronado is doing. What do you see in his game that might catch your eye?
11: Yeah, I so thought today he played a lot of jump. Um, he, uh, he was working really hard. He was hunting pucks, winning battles, uh, He has a lethal shot. Uh, That's a really nice goal. But the assists he had was all like hard work competing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I was happy to see him come out with a lot of energy today. I thought that was a really good game by him.
2: Was that sort of a game where we saw you yeah, as battle backs? I'm sure there's a lot of things that you can say, hey, that's yeah, what we're good at, and then also right. some things where you can see where you need to work
11: on? Yeah, for sure. We weren't happy with our first. Um, we got some momentum with the first goal, but we weren't happy the way we played, and I uh, thought we played better in the second or third, and it's always nice to win, and especially a comeback win. For a preseason the game also had maybe like a little bit of bite to it, yeah. too. I mean, is that kind of another checkmark in terms of getting ready for the regular season? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they had uh, almost their full uh, decor out there and some regular challenges up front and the goalies, so it gets a little more heated. Uh, you know, we played each Two here in, what, nine days, so uh, you want to set the tone a little bit, too. How promising was it, as you
12: described in that second period, especially where all the goals came from, you know, where you you need to be kind of all around the top of the crease like that?
11: Yeah, something we talked about, you know, when we turned pac over, we want to be a direct go to net, and uh, all those goals were, um, yeah, just what we talked about, um, being direct going hard uh, to net, and, uh, yeah, it was nice to see the team get rewarded for the hard work.
9: Pardon me, you mentioned uh, you're going to see this team again pretty quick here, and not to read too much into it, but to kind of get to Connor um, Hellebuck. That has to feel good, even though it's preseason. You're kind of noticing some tricks, I would imagine, and little tendencies about what you need to do to beat him.
11: Yeah, we played him last before, too, and, uh, you know, for every game we have a little pre-scouting about the opponent's goalie. And, um, yeah, it's always uh, fun to score a lot of goals, and especially on the goalie you're going to play soon.
10: Max, you know how hard it is to make an impression in your first camp in the NHL. How is Matt doing it?
11: Yeah, I thought he looked really good today. I thought like the last game, first game we had to play together, um, like not on the same line, but same game. Uh, I thought he looked a little, a little worn down, but today I thought he came out with a lot of John a lot of energy. Uh, right, he was probably one of our best players in the first period, and uh, then he carried all the whole night. So uh, he's done a great job. Um, it's not easy. Uh, I know it's really hard for me to come in here as a young player and. Trying to crack the spot, but uh, he's done a really good job so far.
2: Have you had to pass on any advice to Matthew as he's gone through camp? What have you told him
5: if it's gone to that?
11: Uh, no, I just talked to him a little bit this morning. You know, simple things, just go out and have fun. Um, you know, uh, play with your instincts and, you know, just go out there and play as confident. And that's what he's got to do. I want to show that he wants to earn a spot here. I yeah, he can second guess He's just got to go out and play his game.
9: Does he give us when we talk about youthful energy in the lineup? is kind of the extreme of it but can the way he plays does he still provide that youthful energy as well
11: yeah for sure and he always comes in to with a smile on his face he's such a great kid uh, very, very respectful uh, we all like him a lot and uh, he's fitting great here with the team so yeah he comes out and plays with that energy like i said last game i thought was a little dip but that's to expect when you play a lot of games uh, a lot of expectations on you so uh, but today he bounced back and uh, came out with a lot of energy and that boosts the team for sure
1: There you go. Michael Backlund had himself a big goal in this game as the Flames come away with a 5-4 victory over... The Winnipeg Jets preseason game number six in the books. Backlund with a goal and an assist in this victory, and uh, Dylan dubay also scores a goal in this game. He tied the game at 13-11 of the second period during that flurry of Flames goals. dubay with a goal in this one. He now has uh, his first goal of the 2023 preseason. Let's hear from Dylan post game as well.
10: Dylan Coach uh, this morning said that you and Coronado look. Very similar to one another. Is that a bigger insult than you were having?
12: I feel bad for him. I don't want anyone to have <laughs> eyebrows like these, so I don't know. I, will, I think I still got him on that, the eyebrows, so we'll see. Yeah, floral. <laughs> 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 Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
10: <laughs> okay, but what, what have you seen from this kid in camp? Uh,
12: he looks good. Um, strong on the puck. I think he's NHL ready. I think um, a lot of it. Uh, getting to this level is the battle and the strength and um, he's a young kid playing against men and he fits in really well. I know like his shot and, and everything's uh, it's incredible. Like tonight he beat one of the best goalies in the league. Um, but that those little plays that he's making it's hard to do and that shows why he's an elite level player and happy for him. He's playing really well. Is it fair to say what you see like for him tonight. I know he didn't really talk you know specifically about the work, but it seemed like that's kind of what started his night I mean, well before the points started coming, the work was there. I mean is that how important is that for a young guy to make sure that you know that's there and then you'll see that offense come with it for sure and you know the he's a he's a worker he plays hard plays hard on the puck you know forcing turnovers and making those little plays and that's what translates to his offense he's always on top of it he's playing the right way um, yeah, he's he's a work first kind of guy, and that's when his skill skill shines throughout it. So uh, tonight he was on it uh, nonstop right right from the start. So he had a really good night tonight. Does he remind
9: you of any other player? I, you know, I know he's a young guy. I'm not talking about expectations, really like, But just when you notice the mechanics of his game, does he remind you
12: of anything? Uh, I don't know. I'm a you know what? Um, his shots up there with top guys in this league for sure. Um, the way he releases it, how quick it is. Um, I don't know playing type yet. Yeah, not too, uh, not too sure. Um, but his shot and his ability to get it off and how quick it is is it's NHL shot for sure. Not to get away from Matthew, but how did you feel about your game tonight? And now that we're into the stretch of preseason with just two games left, yeah, I thought it was better. I thought uh, just collectively as a group, uh, I think everyone played really well. Second and third period there, the start was slow. Um, some bobble pucks weren't as clean, but um, collectively, I thought that was a really good second third period as a team and individually that's uh, when you have success and it, it makes it a lot easier when all five guys on the ice are going can you
10: put in perspective how hard it is for a guy a first year player to put up like seven points in the preseason like to stand out in the preseason let alone just fit in
12: yeah it's hard and show shows the games get harder throughout it too like tonight wasn't an easy game winnipeg came hard at us and played a really good game and he shines throughout that he gets us going he they score quick goals that line with him on the ice and then he gets the, the biggest goal uh at the end there in the power play and um you know he's showing up in big moments which you need so it's impressive and um i just know he's going to keep getting better every game surprised the second one didn't uh, didn't count the goalie <laughs> i don't yeah i don't know i was uh i think i don't know what the rules i was taking my momentum to the net trying to drive the crease and get in there and um yeah, you know, gets the confidence up. I guess I'll save them, So
1: There you go. Yeah, just save that one. Save it to the regular season. Uh, there's uh, Dylan Dubey post game. Flames win 5 4. Dubey had one almost score. Well, did score a second, got called back on the goalie interference call. Probably by the book was the right call. Flames didn't even challenge it. But. Um, probably the right call but still was a nice finish and a great play by Ruzichka to make it happen too but uh, ends up being all for naught because it got waved back. Uh, Flames still win the game by a 5-4 score. Those this final trip inside Flames locker room. We heard Michael Backlund. We heard Dylan Dubé. We've heard from Matt Coronado. Obviously head coach Ryan Huska. We spoke live with goaltending coach Jason LaBarbera and with Adam Ruzichka as well. All on your Flames Talk postgame show. You don't get uh, that anywhere else other than right here on flames talk post game let's uh, head back to the text line at 960 960 uh this says did i just hear logan gordon howling in the background of that clip yes you did um that would have been logan logan's got a very unmistakable laugh yes you did uh this says uh, oh my buddy will in bc's back and he's got a comment on goaltending uh-oh no i've already read your text will i know where you're coming well I, I do want to read the text though because i think it's uh it's interesting so uh will in bc says i'm looking forward to watching matt coronado grow and develop as a member of the flames this season i've really liked Osterley so far this preseason if they don't get shillington back i think he'll be a good replacement as for goaltending it goes without saying that this year the flames will need more from that position it's preseason so for me the jury's still out and you know what will Jurys still out for me too i I think that he will he being jacob markstrom who will and I had some um text set twos last year, well, he texted and i I spoke um but he and I kind of went back and forth on that all year long, and i think I think Jacob will have a bounce back here. I think Jake will be, be, will be better this year than he was last year. I don't I don't think that we're necessarily going to see him back to what he was the year before. I'm not suggesting he's Vezna Trophy runner up, but I do think he'll be back to the norm, back to his norm in the 9-10, 9-12 range and and I think that'll give the Flames a chance. But I can't tell you for sure it's going to happen and honestly will the jury's going to be out for me until we're into the regular season i nothing nothing that i am going to see in his next and final start is going to convince me one way or the other that he is or is not going to bounce back. I think he is going to have a bounce-back year. This game against Winnipeg and the game he likely plays against Vancouver really won't change that. It won't make me less confident about that, and it's also not going to make me more confident uh, about that. Um, So, jury's out for me, too. I still got to see it, as much as I'm confident. And I think there's a good chance it happens. We still got to see it once the games start mattering for real, Will. So in that respect, I agree with you. Uh, This writes, Pat, beautiful job covering the last few days of Snowy's life. Incredibly difficult. We could feel your pain through the radio, and we shared it. Condolences on the loss. Where does Coronado rank as an offensive goal-scoring prospect in recent Flames history? Um, On on Chris Snow, yeah, it's been a difficult – and and look, I, I knew Snowy. And and I thought it was an awesome guy, and it was super neat to get to know him over the last uh, decade plus. But you know, and and it sucks. I mean, it, it's it was just awful. The the last five days have been super heavy, and but like to see to 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 know the other people that you have gotten to know inside that Flames front office. Even talking to Tree, I've, I've talked to Brad Tree Living a couple times, uh, just not. On the record, but just like to see, to know how much a guy like Brad True Living or a guy like Craig Conroy or um, the the rest of the folks inside that, that Flames front office who worked with him. You know, I saw, I saw again, like the, his, uh, some of the, the guys who work with him in the advanced analytics department sit up right near us and like everybody's wearing it and, and have been wearing it since Wednesday. So it's been a, just a super somber time and um Yeah it's it's been difficult and and we wanted to make sure that we did his life justice because before and after the ALS diagnosis the guy was the guy was a rock star and so wanted to make sure that we did it justice and and I think if you go back and listen to the uh two hours of Flames Talk that Wes and I did earlier on on Monday, I, I think I think we did. I think I think we uh my old boss used to say that I was very, very poor at uh dealing with people passing away at this job and I agree. But I think that Chris Chris deserved uh the send off that he that he's getting here from from Flames Talk and from everywhere else. Uh, dude was an inspiration to millions of people. Still is. Still will be. Even though he's no longer with us. Uh, but yeah, it's been a super. It's been a super sad time and and just heavy and somber and and as it should be when you lose somebody like that. Um, as for the other part of that question, where does he rank as an offensive goal scoring prospect in recent Flames history? Well, in terms of a pure goal scorer, that. I would say he's the best goal-scoring prospect since Monaghan. And I'll even say that when you looked at Monaghan's junior hockey numbers – You know, him being a 35-flirting-with-40-goal guy for different parts of his first seven seasons or whatever it was, he didn't necessarily feel like that was 100% in the cards because, you know, he he was a guy who put up decent goal numbers in the Ontario League, but always finished with more assists than goals during that time, but turned into, obviously, a really consistent goal scorer. Um, So... That would be probably the one that comes to mind most recently. I mean, before Monaghan, it had been a long time since they'd had a goal-scoring prospect, like a guy that they either drafted or developed To and in terms of a goal-scoring prospect, like Monaghan to Eginla, i I don't even think that I just rack in my brain. I don't think that I'm stretching when I say Jerome would be the last one prior that you looked at as a pure goal scorer. Now, I'm not trying to compare Coronado to Jerome. Jerome Jerome's a 600-goal man. He's one of the best goal scorers in NHL history and and maybe the best pure goal scorer of his his era if you consider that when he was at his prime, Ovechkin was either just starting or wasn't in the league yet. So kind of 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 his vintage... He was probably the best at, at that craft and then handed that torch to Ovechkin. Um, so that would probably be it, like Monahan and Aginla in terms of pure goal-scoring prospects. And again, I don't want to put the Aginla uh, comparison or, or the Aginla pressure on him because that's not what I think he is. But just in terms of a prospect, that, that's how I'd answer that. Um, this from Gary. Curious on your thoughts about Dryden Hunt. Seems like he's had a pretty solid preseason and seems like he's getting some decent ice time, but haven't heard his name come up when talking about the starting 12 forwards. Gary, you should have listened to the earlier Flames talk on this Monday. We talked lots about Dryden. Uh, I thought he struggled in this game against Winnipeg, but generally is at a strong training camp and I think he is in the mix to be one of the starting 12. I think he's very much in the mix and will remain in the mix to be one of their fourth line forwards to start the season. Uh, I think he's got a good shot of being on the roster uh, and a, maybe not quite as good, but still good shot to be in the opening night lineup. So uh, That's that's how I would look at the way things are trending on Hunt right now. Ash says, I don't think Rizychka will be consistent as the season progresses. To me, he doesn't have the best attitude. I'll never forget an early season interview with him from last year and when asked why he's playing well he simply stated I'm playing with better players to date I've never heard him own up to his inconsistency issues when questioned I won't lie I'm not a huge fan of him so Ash is not a big Ruzichka fan and look I, I do think that attitude plays into consistency because when you are a highly skilled player with an NHL caliber Toolkit like Ruzicka has, it's as much the commitment and the mental side of things in preparing yourself so that you can use those tools on a regular basis. And I do think, all going back to Junior and so far in his pro career, that, and I don't want to say like it's a bad attitude, it's just the attitude of, are you willing to put in the work and and embrace the work so that you can be that consistent guy? And so that you don't have long stretches where it looks like you're dogging it and it looks like you're lit. I don't think he ever does go out and just dog it, but it can look like that sometimes. So, so I understand where Ash is coming from, and there's there's definitely a healthy swagger and a healthy amount of confidence in Rusicka. And and in some ways, that's good. You To be a high-end NHLer, you've got to be confident, and you've got to have swagger. I just think the big thing now, and he talked to us earlier. If you go back to the very beginning of the podcast, he spoke about how he really put in the work this summer, and it was a, a really good summer for him. And if that continues to be one of the things that we talk about and putting in the work, then I think Ryzychka has, has in him a breakout year in him. I really do believe that. And I'm rooting for him because I think there's a lot there in the player. And I'd be, I'd be interested to see if it, um, if it goes that way. Uh this says Matt freaking Coronado rookie of the year I'm calling my shot. Wolf, there you go. I like that. Uh I like a little positivity. I like calling a shot. Uh this says Pat Happy Early Birthday. Do you think there's a potential for Coronado to get a look on the first line that's from Bretton Calgary? Um I think I think maybe in the preseason we might see that? Maybe not. We we'll see how the regular season goes along. I won't write it off and you know the thing is um the top line we typically believe is the Lindholm line. And right now Lindholm and Huberdo. So could I see Coronado at some point on that line this year? Sure. I could. Yep. Sure. I could. Uh, this from Parsons, um, happy birthday, Pat. I've loved Megan's contribution so far. She has great insight. Great addition to the team. I agree. Uh, can I get an update on Shillington? Uh, was it the same thing that was being dealt with last year? Uh, more or less, yeah. Um, he, look, he's just not ready to, he's not ready to start. And um, that's about, that's about all I, I think I'm comfortable in saying. But yeah, just, he came back. He's still in Calgary. Um, he wants to play. He wants to get back. But he's dealing with a lot of, I can't say the word that I would regularly say. He's dealing with a lot of crap right now, and and so when he's ready to return, it'll be the right time. And the Flames are handling this the right way. Um, I would say that just a little empathy and compassion for for a guy who has been struggling here for quite some time is is the best is the best way that we can support the guy i really i really want to see him back because i i I think that it'd be such a great story to see him back um and i i just i hope that he is okay at some point um but he's not ready right now so that's that's the update on on oliver shillington um This reads, are there any players currently left that can be sent back to junior? Or is it the Wranglers or Flames for everyone left? Uh, Also, who do you think will lead the team in goals this year? I will say Lindholm leads the team in goals. And Sam Honzek can still get sent back to junior. Uh, He is still with the group. So he can still be sent back to the Vancouver Giants. Uh, Stafford and Boness says, what's the timeline on Pelche's return? Uh, Undetermined still? He had the. I think he has the surgery this week. I believe it is on this the Tuesday of this week. So once he has the surgery, we'll have a better idea of the actual timeline for the recovery. So we won't know until later this week. Um, this from Connor in Brayside. Didn't realize Coronado was such a buzzsaw. Is he always? Anyone can have energy for one game. I look forward to seeing how often he can bring it. Yeah, that's kind of part of his game. Um, and... The nickname that he had with Chicago of the USHL was Bison. He's he can be a pretty tenacious, relentless player. So that is absolutely part of what goes into Matt Coronado's game, no doubt about it. Uh, Brenda writes on Shillington: Can the Flames put up on LTIR? I'm hoping for the best out cake, uh, outcome for him. Happy Cake Day, thank you, Brenda. Um, Yes, I believe that they will be able to if they want to go down that road. I believe they got permission last year uh, to go the LTIR route with Shillington. if they want to go that route, and you don't always want to go the LTIR route, but if they want to, I do believe that they will be able to, to go down that road once the regular season begins. Great stuff on the text line tonight at nine sixty Two more calls before we wrap things up at 403-240-4444, starting with Mary on the Flames Talk post-game phone lines. What's up, Mary? It's
6: actually Mary Ann. Sorry. Oh, hi, Mary Ann. What's going on? Hi, I haven't called in for quite some time. Um I just I just I I just want to say that I think today's game should be for Snowy because I'm sure he was looking down and cheering the team on and I'm just I'm so proud of all you guys. How hard it must have been for you guys to work through all this and and his family have just been utterly amazing with being able to deal with this, especially how they have dealt with it in the public and I'm so excited for the team this year and it must be so nice for you guys in the media to be able to actually talk to the coach without being scared of talking to the coach he sounds like such a, a nice reasonable guy and I'm just I'm so happy for Michael being um, uh, um, captain. the captain Yeah, the captain of the team now and I just I'm just really excited for the year I I think now there's such a positive um, vibe in the room now. I just think everyone's going to obviously want to be there and want to do as best as they possibly can.
1: It definitely... um... It definitely does feel a whole lot more positive around here. There's no doubt about it, Marianne. It's uh, it, it is a, a different vibe now. You know that's that's the preseason and training camp. Things can always change, but yeah, it's it's definitely been a positive vibe around these parts. I, I can uh, you know be in here and and getting the opportunity to be around. I, I, I it sure does feel that way. And if they do have a little bit more success this year. I think that that positivity only grows. And I also think that if there are struggles and if it doesn't go exactly the way that everybody wants it to go right off the top, I think that there is a consistency in the approach Ryan Huska wants to take that, yes, not not to say that it's always going to be positive and there's never going to be, you know, criticism and, and things that need to be uh, nipped in the bud or all that type of stuff. But I, I think Ryan Huska's approach is going to be one of, of generally positive reinforcement and and consistency in message. So um yeah, I I, I think that there are absolutely reasons to be optimistic the optimistic this year.
6: And and um Thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your hard work. You work so hard as, as everyone else does, but, but, but you especially work so hard and for all your hours and happy birthday for tomorrow. I hope you have a really nice day.
1: Well, thank you, Marianne. That's awesome. You have yourself a great day as well. Thank you for the call. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Marianne. That was, uh, that was very nice of Marianne. I appreciate that very much. And, um, and, and, am happy to, uh, to do what we do. Um, and yeah, I do, to her very first point, I don't think there's any doubt that, uh, a Chris was and will continue to be looking down and, and also on top of that, I I think it's something that was very much on a lot of people's, a lot of flames, people's mind, uh, even on the ice. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that in this game tonight. Um... Okay, that'll wrap us up on the phone lines tonight. Great stuff at 403-240-4444. That'll wrap us up on the text line at 960-960. As we start to wrap things up on your Flames Talk post-game show, it's time for the final summary. Here's how tonight went uh, as Winnipeg opened the scoring with a pair of goals uh, in the first period. Uh, Ville Hainala made it 1-0 at six zero one. His first of the preseason came from Cole Perfetti and Alex Iafalo and the Flames trailed by a one nothing score. Then. At fourteen oh one, exactly eight minutes later. Dominic Toninato made it two nothing Jets with his second of the preseason. Logan Stanley and Jeffrey Viel with the assists, and Winnipeg had a two-goal lead. Flames get one of those back late in the first period on an Elias Lindholm goal. Lindholm rips home his second of the preseason from Chris Tanev and Noah Hannafin at nineteen forty eight was two one Jets after twenty minutes of play. Second period, Jets go back out in front by two when David Gustafson makes it three one. He picks up his second of the preseason from Parker Ford at 529, and the Jets uh, were back in front by a couple goals. And then uh, past the midway mark of the second period, the Flames uh, went in a bit of a flurry. In fact, they scored three times in the span of two minutes and 24 seconds, starting with a nice finish from Adam Ruzicka on a 3-2 goal. Ruzicka gets his first of the preseason from Matt Coronado and Yegor Sharangovich at 11.57 to make it 3-2. Then 74 seconds later, Dylan Dubé makes it 3-3 with his first of the preseason. Dubé from Jordan Osterley and Nazim Kadri at 13-11. And 70 seconds after that, Michael Backlund would score to give Calgary their first lead. Backlund's second of the preseason from Coronado at 14:21. Just like that, 4-3 Flames. But 25 seconds later, Gustafson ties it for the Jets. His second of the night and third of the preseason came at 14:46. Ford with the only assist, and just like that, four goals scored in the span of two minutes and 49 seconds. We had a 4-4 tie after 40 minutes of play. Third period, Flames started on the power play, and they make the Jets pay as uh, Matt Coronado scores maybe his nicest goal of the preseason yet. Uh, comes in off the right uh, half board, steps into the circle and wires it past Connor Hellebuck for his fourth of the preseason. Coronado from Backland and Mackenzie Wieger at a buck 23 power play goal, gave the Flames a 5-4 lead. That ends up being your game winner as the Flames close out a 5-4 victory. Final shots were 46-21 in favor of the Flames. Calgary goes one for four on the power play Winnipeg. 0 for 2 with the man advantage your three stars tonight number 3 David Gustafson number 2 Michael Backland and your number 1 star with a goal and 3 points was Matt Coronado with the win Calgary improves to 4 1 and 1 this preseason they're back at it on Wednesday on the road in Edmonton while Winnipeg falls to 2 2 and 1 they're back at home Thursday to host the Ottawa Senators that is your final summary and now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and and Megan Mickelson for our on-site engineers Tim Khalil and Evan Cody for our reporter Logan Gordon and for our outstanding producer Azam Nanji, my name is Pat Steinberg That'll start to wrap us up from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement-y, visit dlbasementsystems.com. As I mentioned, next up for the Flames is Wednesday night. They visit the Edmonton Oilers for preseason game number seven. We'll be on the air at 6 o'clock with your Flames warm-up pregame show and the puck drops from Edmonton. At seven o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Monday. Have yourself a great week ahead. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Monday night. Flames win this preseason game five four over the Winnipeg Jets. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on SportsNet
0: 960, The Fan. This is CFAC 960 AM, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet. Calgary's home for the Flames and
6: the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.